Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ladies and gentlemen, two men from opposite ends of the physical, cultural, and emotional spectrums. Flats and Shanks. Hello, everyone, and welcome to week three of our weekly podcast. My name is David Flatman. I'm Tom Shanklin. Hiya, Tom. Hi, Dave. Uh, we're coming to you this week from, well, we started out in the gym changing room, well, the sort of sofa lost property suite. Which we thought uh, was quite nice at the time. Quite nice at the time. Yeah. Um, CrossFit bath. We appreciated the, the free loan of the room. Last week, we're at Cardiff Blues, which was an upgrade, admittedly, Tom, wasn't it? It was. It was lovely box, lovely views. Yeah, really nice, lovely views. And But we've, we've outgrown that, and... Um, we were let down by a space in Bristol we were supposed to use tonight. It's well, basically, Dave sitting in front of me was a Larry letdown. And yeah, a little bit. I mean, you were in charge of location this week. Yeah, but I, but we, what I ended up doing was handing that over to uh, Tom, and he made a phone call to Dickie Holland, CEO of Cardiff Blues. Yes. And long who, st- who in turn called Dawn. Who in turn called Dawn at the Celtic Manor Hotel and Resort, Golf Resort. So we've just turned up, and Dawn has welcomed us into the presidential suite here yeah. at the Celtic Manor. <laughs> it's actually not a joke. If you think we're making this up, um, check the picture for this podcast, check um, our Twitter feeds. I don't know why she looked at you when she said it, but she definitely looked you in the eye and said, please do not use our toilet. Yeah, <laughs> that's so true. And she, as she did it, I made a joke and I said, oh, well, we won't use all of them because there, there are about nine bogs in this place. It's unbelievable. And um, she kind of choked as I said it. <laughs> she took the joke seriously, you know. Um, but anyway, life's good. We are at the sort of oak table in the presidential suite recording this. Um, I've got a Palmer, a 12-inch Palmer pizza on its way up with a couple of Diet Cokes, a couple of DCs. Um, other other soft drinks are available. They just don't taste as good. No, they don't. They don't. Um, but the, the Catamount is a lovely hotel, mate. Oh, it's nice, The isn't 2010 it? Ryder Cup. Yeah. That's what they held here. Do you yeah. know who won that? Uh, no. Europe. Okay, yeah. excellent. You Europe. knew that, you knew that. You just I knew played. that. You just wanted to make it sound better, didn't you? Just playing dumb. But obviously, Ryder Cup's coming up as well. Yeah. End of this month. 
Can't wait. I do actually love the Ryder Cup. I'm not a golfer, but I do like watching the Open and the Ryder Cup. Yeah. And the Masters, actually. Everyone loves it, don't they? Yeah, of course they do. Of course, of course they do. They do. So, uh, what's going up, Tommy? What are we talking about? Well, we've got a little bit about the Rugby Championship and the All Blacks winning there. A bit predictable. Yeah. Brilliant, though, aren't they? Yeah, we'll get to that, but yeah, they're just really good. We've got Aviva Pro 12 Roundup. We're going to talk about the red card of Thomas Francis. Yeah, we've got, we got a special guy coming on. You may have seen via social media that we'll be talking to England coach Paul Gustard later on, who is a, a top bloke. We think uh, there's a good chance you'll enjoy that. And we're going to read some, answer some, some of your questions. Believe it or not, we've got loads of them, haven't we, Tom? We've got loads of questions, and there are different ways in which you can contact us. Twitter, at Flats and Shanks. Go on our website, which is flatsandshanks.com, or just email us, contact at flatsandshanks.com. And I mean, it's a shame you can't text in, really, isn't it? Yeah, um, I'm not. I'm not getting a third phone though. But I, I, I'm more than happy to hand out your number on this podcast. I think that's probably not a bad idea. I, no, mate, I couldn't deal with the fame. Um, <laughs> but that actually reminds me of a little story about you. It's, it's always very difficult to get any stories on Flats because he was like the golden child, the choir boy, you know, <laughs> Mister Clean. Was never, never. Some of my tracks, mate. I was like Mr. Wolf before Mr. Wolf came along. You were like Dexter. That's what you were like. Um, <laughs> but this one time I got him, and for those of you that don't know, Flats and I um, lived together. Uh, not like that, though. Um, you know, we were two single men and sharing a one-bed flat. But um, Flats had just been capped in 2000, so he was he was a man about town, and most of that was down to the fact he uh, he bought some new clothes. He bought a, a pair of jeans, and they went very well with a red England hoodie with a rose on him, <laughs> sports cash. Um, but anyway, so Flats, had a, had a, he had a couple of girlfriends and we'd been training all day, got back about 1 p.m. He just popped out of the room to the toilet, I think, and I, I changed my name in his phone. Oh, that's, uh, that's what you're wondering where you were going. <laughs> yeah, to one of his girlfriend's oh, names. No. Um, oh, and no. And this was, this was a time before you had a pin code and stuff on your phone. He had a, a Sony Ericsson, so it's pretty simple. Changed my name. Oh, God. Done. He comes back. He sits back down on the sofa. I'm in the chair, sat in the corner of the room. We're watching TV. And I'm just slyly texting him down the side by my leg. Hi, babe. How are you? So it comes through to his phone. He's texting straight back. Yeah, good. Just sat here with a llama. That's what he called me, the llama. Yeah, I call Shanks llama because he's quite tall, very white, and dribbles a lot. I thought it was because he was an incredibly good-looking animal. No. No, no it right. dribbles. Um... So anyway, we, we continue texting, and then all of a sudden, you know, this, these texts turn pretty naughty. And flat, you know, if you don't you, need to give any if, details, <laughs> if you if you ever give up on broadcasting, I I'd love you to take up writing because you'd you'd give Jilly Cooper Fifty Shades <laughs> of Grey a run for their money, mate. I, I wasn't sure if I was disgusted or impressed by these texts coming back. And anyway, yeah, he all of a sudden does a fake yawn and says, "Oh." Shanko, I think I'm going to go to bed for a, an hour or so. He goes off to his bedroom and we're still texting and I won't go in to anything more than that, but he comes back about ten minutes later with a spring <laughs> in his step and I look across and all he's got is just a sweaty top lip. <laughs> oh, Christ. Oh, hey, good times, All right, yeah, lads. I've got a week till next week to think of something you know. Yeah, at least you never told anybody. No, no, I haven't, I haven't. Uh, well, I, no names. No, absolutely, absolutely. Oh, God. But do you remember who else had a sweaty top lip? I remember Adam Jones. Yes. We, remember, he, we played with this second Adam Jones, he played for Dragons for years, but he played for Saris for a while and Quinns. 
but we played with him at Sarries. That's um, right, he came down in a in a green Vitari Jeep, didn't he? That's it, or a Shogun, he had a Shogun, <laughs> and it was like super jazzed up, like it was properly aggressive. And yeah, um, there was us driving home in days. But it was like, it was like, um, it was a proper Welsh boys car. Like, I remember being, going off subject, I remember being at the airport after going home from Buenos Aires from like the 21s World Cup when we were all 18 or something, and the Welsh boys were there. And uh, Alex Popham and Gary Powell and those boys, great boys. Just we hated each other when we played, and they were hard cases to be honest for their age then. But great boys. And I remember um, Alex Popham saying, "What car you got in flats?" And we were like, we were like 18. I was like, "Oh, I've got this um, sort of this this old diesel the club gave us." I got his car, and he's, "Oh yeah, I just got uh, it's got a new Audi Coupe. I got a new <laughs> Audi Coupe, brand new." And Alex Popham said, "No, you haven't." Uh, Gary Powell was like, "No, you haven't, Popham. That's your mother's." <laughs> do, you, do, do, do you remember? I think the first car I ever bought was a Hyundai Accent. Accent, 1.3. It looked like a boat and a boat. That's terrible, that car. <laughs> don't have to be specific. You know, oh, sorry. Don't, <laughs> they don't need the details. Yeah, it was two and a half litre. <laughs> and um, I bought it to training and went out training, come back, finished training, get in the car. Someone had written <laughs> Shanklin in tomato sauce all That's over right. the, the, the bonnet, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh. Well, that was out of order. Whoever did that was out of order because the vinegar in the ketchup actually damaged your paint. Which is... And they hit a couple of kippers above my. Uh, that, that was out of order, actually. That's the sort of trick that gets played on you when you swap your name for your, someone's girlfriend's name and stitch them up with text mm, messages. Mm. But I remember that got broken into. We lived in Stoke Newington, which was near Highbury. And I think Fulham uh, either did the double over Arsenal or beat Arsenal one night. And the Arsenal fans were, even though our area was largely Arsenal supporters running wild. And remember they smashing all the cars up on our road and they nicked out of stuff out of your car, including oh. my new shoes that you'd borrowed. <laughs> oh, God. Memories, eh? It was, uh, yeah, it was the time you used to have little radio fronts, didn't you? Yeah. So if you didn't take them off and left it on... Game over, mate. How'd it come? Red Rover. With the rugby championship and New Zealand winning, shock? No. Um, no, it wasn't. They're rather good, aren't they? Oh, too good. Too good. Yeah. I think one of, their, one of the things I think when I watched them is... These players who are suddenly 20, 30, 40 cap players have been introduced. They were getting introduced years ago, a yeah. World Cup ago. You know, so they're not new. They, they, seem, they don't seem to, you know, struggle to bring players through and introduce them. And you thought if there was a time they were going to struggle, it'd be now when they've lost Nonu, Conrad Smith, Carter, Carter McCaw. But they haven't at all. You know, no. Barrett's come in, Surveyor, mm. and Flank or, or Sam. How good is Surveyor? Oh, my days. Fatitoa in the centre. Yeah, with Crotty, you know they they just seem to have some sort of production line. But they they they're good in the fact they introduce them in slowly, yeah. slowly. But again, they they're just a real well oil drilled machine. And yeah, you know they beat South Africa forty one thirteen at the weekend. And South Africa started off well with Habana scoring a try, great angle. But mm. they just come back so strong all the time. You just don't doubt it, do you? Not at all. And I think South Africa. They're not quite sure, I don't think, which are their, their best halfbacks. They've got De Klerk and um, Yanchez mm. at 10. Um, De Jong and Creel in the centre. You know, they, they don't have those solid partnerships what mm. we're so used to seeing. Yeah. So um, the All Blacks do well is kind of they'll put a partnership in, and like we say about Saris a lot, they just back them and they'll kind of leave them. They'll, they'll rotate them a bit, but they will just leave people in there. Do you know what I think they missed? The, Jean de Villiers, I think they missed the most. Mm. He, he was their captain, but also... You must have played against him. Everything went through him. Was he good? Yeah, brilliant, brilliant player. You know, it's a shame he had so many injuries because he, he seemed to get injured quite badly during World Cups. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he was Lovely a Lovely bloke player. too, eh? Lovely but bloke. But the, the, 
the man of the match for me was Dane Coles. Mm. I think he I think he secured that after something like thirty five minutes. Just involved in everything. Mm. You could I honestly reckon you could play him in the centre. He's that yeah. good. And question for you, right, is that is he now redefining a hooker role? Because before it used to be a hooker has to scrum. You know, that's the that's the, the biggest part. If he if he can do yeah. anything else outside of scrummaging, that's a bonus. But this guy, Dane Coles, is everywhere. He's like, you know, Shark Brits. Yeah. That type of player. And you being the, the scrum nurse, I, wanna, <laughs> I want your take on it. Nurse, or yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know about redefining it. I think what tends to happen is the standard is set for a position by the best player in that position in the world, and that's him at the moment. Um, but to say he's redefining the role would mean that he was kind of the first guy to do what he's doing, and he's not. He's currently the best in the world, I agree with that. Playing brilliantly at the moment. Would he be the better. first? Would he be the first to be doing it international? Level, Maybe, though? but then you look at someone like uh, like Skulk Brits. Mm. Now he's a good enough player to have played 50, 75 times for South Africa comfortably. Of course he is. Um, Bismarck Duplessis would have a lot more caps, but actually they decided that John Smith, who is a brilliant player, a wonderful player himself, but a very different player from that, um, was the best leader, and they wanted to stick with him because of the man he was and is. So you could argue that. Skull Brits could have, you know, could have almost done seven or eight years ago what, that or ten years ago what Dane Coles is doing now because yeah. every bit is talented. But as it stands, Dane Coles, Dane Coles is the world leader. Um, Agustin Creevy, Argentinian, I've said last week. I think he's a fabulous player. And do you know what? I look, I look around England, and often you you, you compare yourself to the best, don't you? It's what you always do. And I look around England and think, is there anyone who can rival Dane Coles in England? Just in terms of what Dane Coles. Dane Coles does yeah. doesn't might not necessarily be what England want but in terms of what he can do and yes there is Luke Cowandicki can do what Dane Coles does he was just it was it was just kind of where I was in the stands kind of mouth open wide at the weekend at Exeter watching from the stands at how much influence he had on that game against Quinns he is a young bloke loads to learn he'll probably put on a few kgs and his ears will turn a bit but he is a potential English Dane Coles if he wants to be that. Um, he probably wants to be his own man, but he's a wonderful player. Wow, that was sensible chat, wasn't it? Geez, sorry, guys. That, that felt bad. <laughs> sorry, guys. Um, then we had Australia, Argentina, mm. and Australia won that 36-20. Argies looked a bit hungover from last week, didn't they? It's not often you score after 41 seconds, and Karevi scored, you know, because mm. you know, in the changes before a match, you know, how big the start is how switched on you are at the start, but you know Australia scored 41 seconds into the game and they continued from last week with width and pace and mm. Coupe is really settling into that 10 roll with Genia at yeah. nine. They had, they had it sewn up pretty quick, didn't they? Did anything that, um, the yellow card, the late hit for Cooper, anything else in that? Just a bit, just a bit silly. Yeah, just a bit silly. I mean, he, he sometimes does do Can be silly. Like yeah. yeah. Um, just caught up in the moment, but you know, he, he's such a skillful player. A lot of inside balls and the no look passes. It just you're just gonna have runners all around him and he will put people into holes. But you know, Arge the Argies didn't really look themselves. Not from no. last weekend where they put up a, a great fight no. against the All Blacks. They beat South Africa in this rugby championship, which is great for them, but But in a game like last week's the Argentinians against the All Blacks where they did so well for so long in that game, you you expend a lot of physical energy, but you can recover from that easily enough. I mean Look at the Tour de France; they recover quicker than that. But you know, it's 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 the emotional energy you expend, and it looked yeah. like they were a bit spent, didn't it? Yeah, they were. And twenty-one 
nil down after after 12 minutes was going to be hard yeah, to come back. Yeah, that's mucky, isn't it? Yeah. So as for the Premiership, we're not as as we said in week one, we're not going to go in in depth on every result. We're going to kind of pick the key moments. the The key victory was the key result was almost up at Kingston Park, where Newcastle went very very close to beating Leicester. A missed drop goal in the last second would have clinched it. Um, not an epic game, not the sort of game you necessarily want to watch twice, um, but very very impressive from Newcastle. Nearly did it, but Tigers did what they do, which is enough. Um, the big result I was in the stands at the Rico and um, watched Wasp put 70 past Bristol and... I couldn't believe that result. Do you know what, mate? About I think they scored from a driving mall about two minutes in and I looked at Mark Durden-Smith, my, my TV husband, my man partner, Yeah. and um, we looked at each other and said, this could get really, really ugly, and it did. It continued to get ugly and, you know, it's... Re- Wasp was sensational. Our best mate from last week, Gopeth, brilliant. Played him at 12? Played him at 12. Cipriani... He just there was he got a runaway try and after that he had his hands on his knees had a little bit of a blow, that was the only time he looked puffed in the whole game. He just looked superb, kicking off both feet, just late, delayed, delayed passing, loads of confidence. Admittedly, they were scoring almost at will, which makes it easier. Um, but do you think that highlights because we we were saying after week one how good Bristol were against Quinns mm. and how how they've they've managed to, that step up to the Premiership pretty well. I mean, is that do you reckon that's a reflection? On how poor Quinns have been at the start of this season. Yeah, I, good, good point. That I, I do you. think it is. Thank, well done, you. You're, you're a great guy. Um, you wrote it down for me. I think wrote it down for you. I think um, it, it definitely was, and I think there's the adrenaline of the first game, the nerves, the fear of failure, and the conditions weren't awful, but it was sort of sticky and a bit slimy. So I expect that was a bit of a leveller. Yeah. And Quinns haven't exactly shone since round one, so um, I think perhaps it was, but it was. You know, this was if last week against Saints was back down to earth for um, Bristol. This, you know, this week against Wasps was a, a brief visit to hell. I mean, we we've got a question here from at Stop Jammer Time. <laughs> See what he's done there. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I like that. Um, how worried should Quinns be at this early stage? Lucky versus Bristol, well beaten since then, and we'll lose players in autumn tests. I think worried is pushing it. We played three games, right, and they won one of them. But I think that. If they were talking about winning the league, and I expect they were in pre-season and these sort of goal-setting sessions or whatever these everyone thinks is a good idea in pre-season, then I think it might be worth, if they don't do pull something out of the bag the next week or two, they don't need a crisis meeting, but I think they it's probably worth reassessing their goals and uh, aiming somewhere perhaps a bit more realistic because at the moment they don't look... They don't quite look to have the firepower and the tempo they need, the front football they need to establish the tempo they want to play with. And yeah. that was I mean, really they, evident at Chelsea. They look a weekend. shadow of them, themselves probably three or four years ago, don't they? I yeah, mean, they do. Mike Brown's just coming back. Now yeah. Dan, Danny Kerr's back playing as well. But you can't take anything away from Exeter and how, how well they played. No, they, I mean, Lockie yeah. Turner, what mm. a signing he's been for him. Yeah. Um, just injects huge pace, flair, yeah. offloads into into the Exeter backline. And Exeter play with width and accuracy which is which yeah. is great to see um, and they're not afraid to offload and express themselves Woodburn your mate with the, um, with the tail, with the tail yeah. for I think his, it was Lockie Turner's his try his offload for that try was ridiculous but it's just wave after wave of Exeter Chiefs attacking yeah it's funny because they lost the first two games you speak to the guys down there and they don't they weren't worried because they said well, we've actually lost to two really really good teams yeah. and we, we've played alright and they 
if they if they had lost their mojo and they were pretending, I don't know, but they relocated it. <clears> they excuse had, me, at the weekend they were fantastic. And Quinn's had a bit of a few well, quite a few lineout issues as well. There were overthrows for Count mm. Dickey's first try. But a lot of that, mate, a lot of that. Rob Buchanan, the Quinn Hooker, can throw. Yeah, I think he's a really really good player. You'd hope so um, if he's hooker. You'd hope so, yeah. But yeah, but a lot of hookers are patchy. But I, I, I think mean. he's a good thrower. I know um, really, really good player. But there's just there was some of it was just communication. But there's a lot of pressure from the Chiefs. You know, Damian Welsh. I think Nick Mullins called him um, giraffe on steroids, which is which is harsh but fair. He's long limbed. Let's say that difficult guy to play against. Difficult guy to operate a line out against. And they're they're a well drilled side as you might imagine. But they just had what I think separated. Um, Chiefs and Quinns at the weekend and it was reasonably stark from the stands was that Chiefs had player after player after player who kind of um, offered a really aggressive dominant ball carry so Luke Karandicki not one of the biggest guys on the field was ridiculously penetrative I mean just brutal to pull yeah. down Don Armand as well they got Dave Ewers not even playing yet walking around in a knee brace he's still to come back He's the size of a cow with an engine, you know. Mm. So then Henry Slade on the front foot, he looked absolutely sublime at the weekend at 12, just played beautifully. And Quinns didn't have any anybody. I'll tell you what, in the back row, Chisholm came on in the back row and carried really, really well Great the last name. 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah. But they but they, I didn't, they didn't have any sort of brutal firepower, you know. See, I think 12 or 13 is Slade's best position. I'm, I'm, not, sure, I'm not sure quite which one yet. I think he's just so effective out there because mm -hmm. he's got pace he's got skill it's, it's always nice to have a creative centre Yeah, you know, I, I think the better teams are the ones that do have another ball player whether it's 12 whether it's 13 and his partnership with Stenson works because Stenson's very good and Steenson he's good as well yes that's he's the good. one yeah. Yeah. he's a great guy it was guy. a test well done he passed yeah, well done. yeah Stenson um, Henrik yeah Henrik, Henrik that's it that's Henrik it. he's a great guy plays for Exeter yeah. no Steenson um, he's just his man management games his kicking his control but he, he doesn't quite I don't think will have the flair that Slade has mm. but that's why they work so well together but I remember you know I don't know if I mentioned I used to play a bit but um, playing for Bath down at Chiefs I remember we, we won down there and they came back up to the wreck and we won there as well and it was kind of you end up chatting on the field with some of the Exeter Chiefs guys that you know and all that sort of stuff and I remember saying to a buddy of mine who's one of the coaches down there just saying that that whoever that Steenson is, he is brilliant. Stenson. Stenson, sorry, yeah. Henrik. He is a brilliant player. And yeah. I bet you no one else knows. And you're quite lucky because I bet no one else ever tries to sign him, but now they would. Yeah. But, you know, really, really good player. And uh, it's funny, I asked Andy Goode recently, who's the best? I was at a dinner with Andy Goode, and he ate mine. And um, it was just me and him, yeah, 600 places. But I asked him who's the best 10 he played against before yeah. he retired, the last season before he retired. And he said Henry Slade. Really? He said he's the best ten he played against, and he's got all the skills to play there. And he may end up there, but I like him at twelve at the moment. He looked great at the weekend. I suppose massive talking point was Thomas Francis red card as well. Yeah. Um, what do you reckon? Not a red for me at all. I mean, it's a difficult law now that you can't yeah. put boot to ball when uh, when you're in a mall when you're wrestling because from a young age all you ever taught in a ruck or a mall is just to make a nuisance of yourself. Yeah. Get your head in there, make, get your feet in there, try and dislodge the ball a lot. Now you can't. You might have to kick the ball. So it looked to me like he was being wrestled up top. Danny Kerr's trying to place the ball back. He's trying to come round the corner and kick the ball. And he's his shin has connected with Danny Kerr's head. Not that hard at all. Which is a lovely head. Great head yeah. of hair. He's a very attractive man and his head's important. Um, and on the replay, the ref has seen it and to me it's 
it's a penalty. I wouldn't even see it's a yellow card. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I spoke to Owen Slot today from the Times, another good guy, and he said the thing is, mate, they want people to stop flapping their legs around so the ball's quicker and they stop kicking people in the head. Reasonable. And they've got to send a few people off to stop everyone else doing it. And you think, yes, that is reasonable. So I guess we're... You can't have it both ways, but I look um, at that. I look at that and think. That's, if I'm you're going to get a red card, you want it for something better than that, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do better as in yeah. worse. Yeah. yeah. So I, you know, I just think I'm glad it didn't influence the game because it looked it looked pretty soft to me, mate. To be honest. Good result at the wreck as well for Bath actually against Worcester. And that Worcester had I think 12 of their first team out. Yeah. So you might argue that winning there isn't a great result, but actually Worcester started really, really well. Bath's defence didn't look brilliant in that first half. Another slow first half, but. Todd Black had said he, how pleased he was with the character and the team showed and I'd, I'd buy into that. I think they 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 sort of turned it around at half-time. George Ford, uh, when he's on it, is just ridiculous. And Leroy Houston, returning hero, scored a try and the crowd love him. Apparently the game, I think the game kicked off at three o'clock or whenever it kicked off. And normally you're out of there by six, aren't you? In your car by six-ish kind of yeah. thing. Apparently he was at the ground till 9.30 on Saturday night doing autographs, selfies, press... They love him down there, mate. Giving back. Giving it back. I tell you, the, the game for me at the weekend was Saracens-Northampton. Oh, savage. What a game. Saracens won that 27-12, but I was just on edge the whole mm. game thinking it's going to kick off. There was massive hits, it, the collisions. Well, your, your eyebrows have fallen out, mate. <laughs> They're just blonde. <laughs> oh. I suppose Saracens, I suppose, try and break teams down by bullying them, mm. you know, being the dominant force, the bigger ball carriers, but, you know, with Pickamoles at, at number eight... Northampton had a real hard edge to him that day. Yeah. I suppose that's how that's how you are going to beat Saracens is mm. by matching them, you know, hit for hit. Yeah. You know, flying into tackles, you saw Burrell went off injured, just literally head dived into I think it was Barrett's legs. And, yeah, good commitment. Yeah, just took a, an elbow or a knee in the head and he was off straight away. Luther Burrell tweeted something saying, head and body a bit sore, but I'm okay. Can't remember the game. But I'm told it was a cracker. <laughs> and it's Pickamore's best game, I think, since he's come yeah. to Northampton. Pick and goes, all that close quarter stuff. He's not. He's beastly, isn't he? Yeah, he's not like an elusive number eight, like Van Niekerk or someone like no. that who's going to hang around in the wide chance. No. But what he does do is he doesn't run through the ball. So you can't use his momentum to tackle him. Yeah. You know, he's all stop and start. He pushes you off, step in, you know, just manages to get over the game line. It's difficult to get the timing, isn't it? It's like there's not it's not a fast bowler bowling, you know, you can, no. you can use that pace. It's hard to get your it's timing. It's like a hit and go, hit and go all the time. But I suppose what really cost Northampton was the symbolism of Alex Waller. Yeah, oh yeah. Sarsen scored two tries straight off the back of that. Yeah. Um, good bit of reference as well by Greg Garner because there's a potential headbutt in it. Mm. And in, in slow-mo, it looked a little bit like a headbutt, but he said, no, I want to watch it in real time, which... I think most refs will start doing now, especially yeah, for late so. hits. Yeah. Um, have you seen any of the uh, Chris Ashton bite stuff? No, I yeah. haven't. Well, I've read about, Have you seen it? Yeah, I've seen it. Now, bear in mind, listeners, we are, as we sit here, it's Sunday night, you know, and we both have jobs and kids and all that sort of stuff, so we have to record this when we can. So by the time you hear it, sort of Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whenever that is, there may well be a judgment or progress as things stand. I'm told it's very likely that Chris Ashton will be cited tomorrow being Monday for um, allegedly biting Alex Waller's hand. And I've seen the clips, I've seen the stills, I've seen the slow-mo, which um, in some instances doesn't help, in some instances does. And I, I would say that I think there is a chance it will not be conclusive and irrefutably proven that he has. But from what I saw on my little phone early this afternoon sent over from 
a mate in a TV truck, yeah. it looked bad for Chris Ashton. So, so we've got a question here from White, uh, Mike Watmore. Um, why do players still gouge that. and bite when there are more cameras than you can shake a stick at? It's self-control. It's just self-control. Just caught up in the moment, aren't you? you yeah. Some people just see red. That's all they want to do is, is hurt someone. Yeah. You, you just don't think straight sometimes. It can be anything. It can be a little knock on the head. It can be someone pushing you down, someone trending on your ankle. Yeah. That's it, you're just gone. And all you want to do is... Annihilate is, someone. and Get someone back. Yeah, and you know why do, why do boxers sometimes get so pumped up that they keep punching after the bell? It's exhausting, yeah. it looks bad, doesn't score them any points, it's self-control. And if, you know, again, we haven't got the benefit of knowing exactly what happens but at the time of recording to our listeners, but um, I, I hope he hasn't done it. Um, it looked didn't look great for him from where I was sitting. For I was watching. If he hasn't done it, then play on. Good stuff. Yeah. If he has done it, I think he is going to get hammered for it. It's always something, though, isn't it? Just when he's peaking in four. I know. Just when the Ultimate Internationals are coming around the corner, or Six Nations, or a summer tour. Um, so yeah, hopefully this hopefully this goes away because it didn't happen. But if it if it did happen, then there's rightly going to be big trouble. Finally, we've. Um, seen Gloucester sort out their final quarter yeah Greg, managed, Laid, Greg, Laidlaw, win a game. Greg Laidlaw and Billy Burns running that game they were brilliant Laidlaw kicking the points Burns looked great and they psychologically you know they proved something to themselves I think on Friday night yeah they did. they did he's, he is an incredible kicker Laidlaw. he is isn't he you know he's not the biggest he's not the most physical guy but if you've got a, if you've got a player like that who can just slot with like a little nine iron yeah chip after chip yeah so accurate yeah class didn't help for sale that their ten Mugford went off. They only had Mike Phillips to co- to cover that position. Yeah. They, did, they had one ten in the play in twenty three. I think. Did you see what uh, Mike Phillips tweeted? He tweeted um, and he copied in Ronan O'Gara and Peter Stringer, and he said and Dan Carter and Dan Carter. Did he? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He said, "Boys, he said, boys, Strings reckons on the best ten he's played with." <laughs> That's class. That. Uh, he's not. He's remember not when sure he remember when he asked out that um, French Isabel Thuru, whatever now that the really, really gorgeous uh, French rugby presenter on the TV. Um, she's kind of like the French female Craig Doyle kind of thing. and yeah. um, Or Martin Bayfield, but not, you know. She's not eight feet tall. Um, he asked her out, said, you, are, you, sir, are you single or something? She said, sorry, I'm not single. And he just sent, a, Mike Phillips sent a picture back of himself from memory, just in a towel, getting out of the shower, looking awesome, just saying, are you sure? Hashtag 77 caps. <laughs> On public, on public Twitter. I love that. I, I love see, it. We were born on a plane. I think we were in um, Australia touring at the time we were coming back, and he's walking in um, to his uh, to the plane through the through the doors, and uh, obviously the uh, local flight attendant stopped yeah. and said, um, "Are you um, are you business or first class?" He goes, "World class, my love." <laughs> Hey, great boy. I remember when your first, um, I think it was the first time, maybe the last time actually, maybe this is why I saw you on on BBC doing the punditry in the studio for the Six Nations and you were injured and Wales were playing. And I watched it and you'd been really serious and you looked a bit nervous and, you know, as you would be first time doing it and stuff. And then I was watching it with my uh, couple of mates who, you know, mutual mates of ours. And... They would say he's not being that funny, is he? He's like, he looks a bit. No, he's being a bit serious. Doesn't suit him. And then you, Mike Phillips, had made a break from the the breakdown and gone on a run at nine and handed off about twenty seven people and just freakish strength. Yeah. And they said, God, he's strong. And he said he is. You know, he might be a scrum half, but he is the second strongest person in the whole squad. And I think it was John Inverdale or someone said, oh, "Who's the strongest?" And you said, "Me, obviously." <laughs> 
had one of the studio, like Clive and all those guys, that kind of laugh. We were pissing ourselves at home. Great, that. Okay, so a couple of the results from the Pro 12. The Blues beat Glasgow at the Arms Park, where we were last week. Maybe that's big, a good omen. Big win that, eh? Yeah, yeah, maybe it 23, is. 23-19. That's um, a hell of a win. Cuthbert scored a great try. Ray Lilo was very good as well. I like him. He likes to... Um, Ray likes to sort of stay under the radar, doesn't he? He likes to, he likes to lie low, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. It's a good one, that, mate. Write that down. <laughs> so you remember never to say it again. <laughs> but he's got, And he's really finding himself in in the elite now, I think, of centres in the Pro 12. It took yeah. them a bit of time because last year the Blues weren't playing that well. Now they've got front football, yeah. they're playing with a bit of width. Um, you know, Nick Williams came off the bench and makes an impact, whether he starts, whether he comes off the bench, he's just one of those players. Brett had really, that's an inspired signing that, absolutely. A lot, a lot of teams would say, do you know what, he's old, yeah. his best rugby's behind him, which it probably is, doesn't mean he hasn't got any good rugby in front of him. And He's very he's verging on the side of being a bit too big, if you know what I mean. You stick him in a running test, he ain't no good. But he can influence a game like not many players. I think he's like level seven or eight on the bleep test, so Exactly it. It's all right. Yeah, it's all right. That'll by. do. That'll he do, isn't it? Yeah. Um Gath Anscombe was good again. Matthew Morgan at fifteen signed from yeah. Bristol and Tom James. Yeah. Merthyr Express. Merthyr Express. You know, we were talking he's on form. were we talking last week or was it the week before about the Welsh back three? And we were saying it's going to be Williams, Halfpenny, North in whatever order. Yeah. He's got to be pushing it, mate. He's playing so well. He is. He, you know, he, he does get his chance internationally, but he was dropped off to Scotland in the mm. Six Nations because Duncan Taylor caught him and they, they feel that he should have scored that try. Mm. Um, so it, it's, it's quite cutthroat when you haven't made an, a big name for yourself like a, like a North or a Liam Williams. Or... But look, look at the All Blacks as the, as the yardstick. They managed to keep four centres happy most yeah. of the time so I, I think there's room to have more and what ends up happening is George North's always going to play half he's always going to play one of them twists their ankle and you're sticking someone in whose last experience in the team was getting dropped two years ago Yeah, I just think there there's a well perhaps a different perhaps a better way to do it which is if he's playing really well give him game time he hasn't got to start or play every game I just no well, there's four know. internationals coming up now in the autumn I think yeah. he'll feature in some of them Os- Osprey's beating Treviso, 64-10. What's the Just, point? It's a hammering. It's a hammering again. What's the point? You know, there is a lot of chat going around at the moment with the Pro 12 about two teams from across the continent coming over, one from North America, Vancouver. Across, oh, across the pond, you mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Which will, I haven't heard that. There's no, so much chat, I haven't heard that. Yeah, That's interesting. Two teams looking from it's North one from, America one from one from America yeah one from the USA joining the Pro 12 which has just increased revenue um, mate I'm just thinking road trips yeah I road know. trips Europe wouldn't mind doing the radio for that gig would you <laughs> no I'd happily do that um, yeah. but Osprey's are uh, heading the Pro 12 at the moment I think they're on 15 points they've got bonus point every single game Alan Wynn charging in unopposed again standard joke mate he's yeah. an absolute machine but my highlight from the weekend's Pro 12 was um, well, just Charles Piatau all over because he's the best player ever. But um, in terms of single plays, was Liam Williams covering tackle for Scarlet against Ulster. Mm. The covering tackle where he went all the way from the right wing and got, the, got him in the corner was just outrageous. And the commentator just brilliant. He just said, if you could bottle whatever Liam Williams has got and give it and sell it to, and, you know, give it to kids, you'd make a million. You know, just tough as you like, hard bloke. As we, I think we spoke about this on the first podcast. Maybe he, he just wasn't brought up through the ranks of yeah. academies. He was a scaffolder. He's a tough bloke. Just loved playing rugby and plays what he sees in front. Puts his body on the line. 
yeah. what a tackle that was. I urge anyone to go. I, I actually saw uh, lots of that game and the, the highlight was, uh, the sort of highlights were put on BBC, I think it was Scrum 5's Twitter and they have a look at that tackle. It's, it's brilliant. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Absolutely brilliant. We had a request um, a week ago from Thomas Barber to get Paul Gustard on the show. And you know, with my connections and your good looks, we've managed to secure a phone call with him. For those of you who don't know who he is, he currently is England head defensive coach, was a Leicester legend, then went on to Saracens and Coach Saracens created the Wolf Pack yeah. and coached them to Aviva Premiership titles. Yeah, so he's he, he's the man. And just as a little by the by, the way, a by the by before this interview, we, we kept it because we really liked it, but the reception throughout it, he's got really crappy Wi-Fi, lives in the sticks, like some weird sort of... Axe he, he lives woodsman. underground, I think. He lives underground, yeah, odd guy, a uh, very, very good guy. And um, we love what you had to say. The service is crackly. It crack comes in and out a little bit. But I don't think you're going to worry about that too much. We didn't. We hope you enjoy it. Paul Gustav. Good evening, the Montesquieu restaurant. Oh, good evening. Good evening. Sava? Sava, Um, How are you? I'm very good. How are you doing? Good, mate. It's Flats and sh- uh, Shanks is here as well. Say hi, Shanks. Hi, <laughs> hi, mate. Hi, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> Guzzy, things have gone remarkably well for you um, and the guys since you took over underneath Eddie, this England team. Um, did you kind of expect it to go like this? Um, I think what we thought was we had a, a plethora of English talent, some really good players coming through over the last five, six years. Obviously, I haven't been involved in a premiership club of some repute. You know, I was aware of the players that we had 
at our club that were very good, that were coming through, the, mm. the bolters, if you like, your Maratoji and, and Jamie George and so on, aside from the established stars of Owen Fowler, Alex Good, etc. And, and we look around the Premiership, you see the guys that are coming through that cause problems, the guys that create situations, the guys that can turn games on the head. So I think we've always sort of felt, you know, and I wouldn't be the only one in saying this, that England have underperformed for a period of time, for whatever reason, and obviously mm. I've not been privy or part of previous coaching regimes, so it's unfair to say anything otherwise. But uh, for whatever reason, we haven't quite hit the hit the heights that we should do for a team as well resourced uh, with with a, with a solid sort of domestic program, European program to produce good players. So I certainly felt like if we went in there and having known Eddie from from uh, about eight nine years ago now, obviously gave me my coaching break uh, way back when. Mm. I know that he's uh, a very detailed guy, works incredibly hard, and clarity about message, and I was pretty certain that you know that we could do something pretty positive. Mm. I mean, my my question is, when Eddie gave you that um, that shot, really, and helped you into coach, how did you make that transfer from? From player to becoming a Norse or a, or a coach, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Did, did you flick that switch that players tend Are to you switch? When you turn into a coach, did you flick that switch and suddenly become the Norse that so many players turn into and they start, you start sending your mates around the post? Was that what happened to you? Um, Was it tough? Quite easily. I mean, the, the, the short answer is I didn't have much choice. <laughs> yeah. The, the longer answer is when I was coming towards the end of my, my playing career, Eddie, um, you can have either one or two ways, I guess. He either recruited me to be a coach or he uh, resigned me as a player, retired me as a player. So uh, it, was, it was one or two, really. Um, he came about offering me an opportunity to be a skills coach. Yeah. It's sorry as well. I spent my last two years as a player. And uh, when I was there, he, you know, he felt I had some aptitude or the correct attitude to, to develop into a coach. And um, we set about, uh, I thought, when he offered me the job, that he'd actually offered me the job. Yeah. But then I realised he hadn't. He just discussed the job. <laughs> um, what he had actually done was then sent me two tasks to go and do with a fair few weeks of graft. Anyway, I, I did these tasks for him. Yeah. And uh, things went all right because obviously he offered me a gig at the end of it. So, you know, long and short of it really was I didn't really fall into it per se. Um, I had to do bits and pieces for it, but I was at the right time at the right place at the club when Eddie was coming into it as yeah. a new coach the following season. And uh, he gave me a crack. Do you get a, were you a little bit self-conscious because obviously you're just a player now, you're going to be a coach, you're going to coach a lot of your, your mates, are you a little bit worried that they might have set up like a WhatsApp group about you or something? <laughs> slagging you, are the lads all slagging you off, uh, do you reckon? I think, I think back in 2009, I'm not sure WhatsApp, uh, WhatsApp was around, well, I certainly wasn't aware of that, but I think we're still on Blackberries and stuff. So, um, look, is I, I felt reasonably comfortable with the fact that I probably had some respect within the playing group. Yeah. Um, you know, whatever standard player I was, at least I fronted up, and I, I think that sort of boys would respect that. And I think after that, you know, that takes yourself on if you're, and if you're liked and all, and all that kind of carry on. But then you have to substantiate with some knowledge. And though, you know, I went around asking people I respected in the game. I obviously didn't call up flats for, for scrimmage advice, but no, I spoke no, to you other didn't, people. No. Uh, about different aspects of play yeah. um, that would help me because I had to suddenly do day one I was doing scrum off pa- uh, practicing and uh, passing <laughs> with Neil DeCock I was doing kicking practice with Alex Good I was doing you know uh, skill evasion stuff yeah. um, with some of our outside backs and, and then the tackling and the breakdown and work and, and so it was literally everything around that to come up with a skill program for every single player and then on the days off if you like the active recovery days I would take these boys for a 10 minute block 
of individual skill 1v1. Um, so I had the misfortune of trying to tackle Alex Good on a basketball court for about 40 minutes once Brilliant. a week when he was stepping me in, making me have another ACL reconstruction. So it was good <laughs> fun, it was good learning, and, and I had to learn pretty fast, but uh, I enjoyed it. Shanks and I, of course, know about what it takes to be a club coach just because we've been around club coaches, and it's pretty relentless being a, an elite club coach. But as an international coach... I will often joke that you've only got 10 games a year, so what are you doing for the other 42 weeks of the year? And it's pretty cruisy. But give us an insight into what your kind of your average week looks like as a national coach out of test week. Box sets. Box sets. The Wire, Sopranos. <laughs> doing 24 in a day. Our week sort of goes around now with the premiership games going on that we have a Friday night game, so we have the option of going up to three games over the weekends. Yeah. If not, you're obviously watching those games on TV, on any well-known broadcasting channel that you can catch a hold of them on. If not, the RFU have a, have a server which provides these games where you can download them shortly after yeah. and have a little look at them. So in, in essence, we've got six games of Premiership rugby to watch over the weekend. There's two international games at the moment and then any other sort of games that we might task ourselves with watching to try and uh, see what patterns, see what trends are happening uh, in other areas of the game, other parts of the world, to see if we can future forecast the way the game's going to go with, with new laws, for example, in the mighty tournament at the moment. So we, we watch all that kind of stuff. So we've got about eight games to watch currently leading up to a meeting on Tuesday. Um, so you're, you're pretty full over the weekend on Monday, today, uh, and tomorrow I've got sort of four or five games to watch, to analyse. Mm to give a brief report on positional groups. So myself, I look at the back row players and have a remit for the team, obviously, defensively. Um, Steve uh, Borthwick would look at the locks and give a positional report, and Neil Hatley uh, um, looks at some black people pushing against each other and gives a report on the scrums. Um, so that's kind of what we all have to do in that. We have a big staff meeting where all the heads of the department come, so our strength and conditioners, our medical departments, our physios, etc., uh, etc., et logistics and what have you. And then we have a, um, a chat about where we're at, what we've got coming forward. So camps that we have, we talk about selection and so on, any issues, any problems. And then we have a coaches meeting that follows that. After that, the back end of the week, the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we try and get in two club visits a week. Um, yeah. For example, last week I was at Saracens and then I was at Northampton on, on Friday. Some of the clubs ask you to help coach, take a session. So on Friday, I coached at Saints, a defensive uh, session with uh, oh, cool. yeah. non-23. Um, and then you back into the weekend. Your, your weekend comes pretty full. Um, and Sorry, your week, week's pretty full. And not so much time for the box set that you might think we all do. Yeah, that... You do. You've, you've, um, you're either very busy or you made yourself sound very busy. So well done. There's a lot of chat, Guzzy, at the moment that it's lucky England don't have to play the All Blacks because they're the world leaders and it means England can keep playing for a while, winning for a while, hopefully, and and all that. But as a coach and as a kind of a competitor, do you wish you could get your hands on them sooner, or are you happy with the schedule as it is? Look, I, I think we're aware we've made some good progress over the last sort of eight months or so, but we also um, remind ourselves that we haven't done anything yet until we do beat New Zealand, uh, which is our aim, and, and we will do that. Um, it's obviously, they're the side that are, are comfortably established themselves for a long period of time now as the best team in the world, consistently beating sort of top tier, top four nations on a regular basis quite well. Um, look, we, we have room for growth. We know that. We can get better in all facets of play, and yeah. even in Australia in the summer tour, we didn't really piece together a full 80 of complete rugby. We had great attack uh, in the third game, good defence in the second game, 
good set piece in the first game, but never all together, all combined. So when we get that together, we think we'll be a good match for anyone. It doesn't quite answer your question, I guess, because we don't have a decision when we play New Zealand. But when we do, we want to be ready. We want to make sure we get the right result. Yeah, you can, you can have that one, Guzzy. That's great. That's great. Right, we're going to finish off on, on one last question, which is the best book you have ever read. Um, this is quite an easy one for me because I, I love the series of books. There's a book called Flashman. I don't know if you fellas have read it. Flatman. Um, did, you Flat- say, did you say Flatman? Flashman. Oh, oh Flashman. sorry. Flatman. Not Fatman, Flashman. Okay. So um, it's not a picture book, so you may not have seen it. But this is a, a book by the late George MacDonald Fraser. And you might have read it, Shanks, because you're quite well educated. And Flats, you might have read it as well. Tom Brown's School Days, because it was probably in the Dulwich uh, School yeah. Program. On the syllabus. It was but on the syllabus. Tom Brown's School yeah. Days was a bully uh, called Harry Flashman. Okay. What basically, MacDonald Fraser did was he took this bully away from there so you've got some kind of background about who this character is and he becomes a Victorian military hero. Now the thing is he becomes a hero through cowardice by being a bounder, by being a cad, by being an all-round top lad Um, yet he obviously goes into these wars, comes out clutching uh, the flag as if he's a hero but he's actually just a complete coward. Um, It's well written, it's funny, it's a good read, there's about 14 books of them. So I like that. That's the easy one for me. Good recommendation, Guzzy. And thanks for the chat, mate. Very good of you. And we'll see you on the circuit soon, no doubt. What an insight there from Paul Gustard. Eh? There was us yeah, thinking like that. that he just coaches a bit of rugby come November, come March time, February, March. Watches a bit of, watches the odd movie, bit of Sopranos. But he's actually got a proper job, eh? Yeah. Well, he said he has. He yeah. said he has. But if you if you were England coach and you sat around in your pants all week watching box sets and someone asked you, you had a proper job, you'd say yes, wouldn't you? Yeah, I'm flat out. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't talk now, guys. I'm, incl- I'm inclined to believe him. I'm inclined to believe him. He's a good bloke. I like that book recommendation as well. Flashman. Flashman. It wasn't on my school syllabus as it happened, but interesting Lord of the nonetheless. Flies. Now we're going we're gonna to look at some questions from yes. our listeners. Um, I've got one for you, Tommy. Brilliant. Um, this is from Mary Bombadillo. Um, Merry old Tom, goodness knows uh, what this person's all about. But thanks for thanks for tweeting in, Shanks. If you could have any non-Welsh player playing in the Pro 12 to play for Wales, who would you have? It's pretty obvious, actually, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. It has to be Charles Pietau. Mm. I think the best signing in the Pro 12 for a yeah. long time. It yeah. was incredible at Wasps. They, as we know, they tried everything to keep him. Was outstanding on the weekend against mm. Scarlets. He'd, he'd walk into any team. Yeah, it's crazy. There's not enough room for him in the All Blacks. I know, I know. He's he is yeah, he's sensational. I just put that question to you as well. Which yeah. non-English player? Would I think you it's have a he. It's, it's called Tom. So okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe part-time man, part-time woman doesn't matter. It's 2016. Yeah. Um, a non-English player. I. It's there. I think I'd probably go. Um, is it toughy that I like? I probably couldn't see a long way past Francois Lowe, and it's probably biased by the fact that I've played with him. Mm. Not because. Well, rugby, chum- rugby though, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Not uh, not because we're chums or anything. That that isn't the point. I just know how good he is and know sort of attitude he brings to the field. And you think he he would be? I don't know. I I I go Francois Lowe. There you go. There's the answer. Um, here's one for you. Here's one for you. Um, is the game? This is from Sarah Dixon okay. on Twitter. Is the game becoming over officiated? Refs taking far too long to make decisions, stemming the flow of the game. It was, but I think they're really trying this year to make the game flow better. We've mm. seen that with um, the likes of the forward pass. You know, I think more 
passes that, that afford are, are sort of played on now. You mm. just got to look at their hands. We've talked about that the last couple of weeks. Trying to kick the ball in contact is not allowed now, so hopefully yeah. the, the ball's on the plate quicker for the nines. I think you still have to have third officials and TMOs because you know games can be won or lost on on little decisions like that. So you you, you know you have to be certain that it's a try to award a try. Yeah. Certainly for foul play, I think it, it is needed to clean yeah. the game up. Yeah, I'll go with you on that. I think most of the interventions are as quick as they can make them. Yeah. Big screens are breaking, it's not their fault, and I think they're getting a lot right. And, I don't know, they're, they're doing their best, aren't they, to not interrupt the game too much. We've had a question here from James Clay. Um, quick question, lads. Which is, it's like five lines long. <laughs> <laughs> what is Billy? What is it that Billy Twelve Trees is using to blackmail David Humphreys for his shirt every week? That is, yeah, it's... It's a bit harsh, that. It, a bit, bit harsh, that. He hasn't had the best start to the season, and Atkinson come in and came off the bench and played really well last week and kept his spot for this week. We've also got Matt Scott as well. Oh, brilliant. Matt Scott's been brilliant. But 12, you know, I, I, that's a bit harsh, and, you know, we will we will read out questions. We'll only read out questions that are positive about us because then we can pretend that no-one ever criticises us. That's yeah. what we want, isn't it? Um, but I think we we will read out questions that are a bit aggressive, but we don't want to be that aggressive. We don't, we're not necessarily aggressive blokes in that regard. He has not had the best start to the season, but he's a very good player and things will come right. I mean, I, I don't. I think everyone at Gloucester backs Billy Twelve Trees and everyone has a rough start to the season. And I think when... It's not even been that rough. He's just nah, not hit the heights that he, he probably nah, wanted to, really. Nah, of course he hasn't. He's not and playing he, to full potential. No, nah, he'll, he'll, be, he'll be absolutely fine. Be absolutely fine. Um, so we've got a, another... A message here from H.R. Tinker. Mm. Um, is Ellis Genge? Genge? Genge Genge. Genge. Yes. It's the French coming out of me. <laughs> the real deal, or is he just the anguish prop around? Um, and, and a liability? Um, he, he's not a liability. I think he's, he's, um, he is angry, but he's powerful and aggressive. You know, not angry, sorry. He's powerful and aggressive and... He played 26 games for Bristol first team. That's all he played before he signed for Tigers and then went and got England cap on tour, you know. Yeah. He's the real deal. He will make mistakes. Uh, watched him against Newcastle this weekend. Played really, really well. But they make the odd crazy tackle that slips up high and he wipes someone out because he's so strong. Um, scrum penalty he gave away and we've all been there. So the best props in the world do that, not just him. For someone who hasn't actually played that much elite sort of pro men's rugby... I think he's fantastic and yeah. for me he's absolutely the real deal he's, he's got to find that balance between getting his technique right and doing things the team needs him to do and staying on the field and being an animal and you do not want to dilute that animal because I tell you what there are a lot of big aggressive blokes around but there aren't many that could do the damage he could do at such a young age so what was he? he's 34 no I don't know <laughs> I think he's uh, early 20s there you go there's something okay. like that but I'm, I'm kind of um, in a constructive Propping way excited about his future because I think he's I think he's very 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 exciting player. Um, here's one last one for you. Last one we'll okay. do from the website. This is from Chris Stockham. Uh, Shanks, uh, last week you made reference to a rugby move by Quade Cooper called a lovely one out of the back door. <laughs> <laughs> Any chance of a quick coaching explanation of this? Uh, so out, out could be many door. things. Actually, <laughs> it's either where a pass has gone from say your right hand to the left from behind your back or it's come out sideways like out of a cat flap I mean kind of a one-handed offload like a one-handed offload yeah but, but reversed but, but almost reversed yeah yeah okay so pretty slick bit of skill yeah so it's either coming behind your back you know with your mm -hmm. right hand to the to the right or it's coming out the back of your hand 
yeah. in the same way. Now, I remember um, in the old days, we used to, I'm not sure, it definitely wasn't illegal uh, drugs we were taking, but we used to take these Voltarol suppositories, the props used to, because our backs would lock up yeah, and all that sort I had of stuff. Once. Um, everyone had them a couple of times in rugby, but we used to take them a lot of the time because our backs were always so tight and big scrums coming up and all that. So we would put one in and. Is that the ones you had to wrap and tape to. <laughs> so it was a snug fit. <laughs> Just put, put it inside a can of seven up. No, it was. Uh, it put those suppositories in before the game, and all the props would be doing. You know, it's quite an odd sight as you walk. The coaches would sort of walk in, and yeah. Nigel Ray at Sarri's the only used to walk in to shake your hand before the game, and there's the lads feeding suppositories in. But real life, you know. And um, I remember once, generally, if you had a really tough, really tough couple of scrums early on, you know, the older, lovely one at the back door could mean something entirely different. But it was more the second rows problem than ours. <laughs> real life, mate. Real life. So that's it. Episode three is complete. I hope you enjoyed it. We did. Um, not many people know that during this podcast, David Flatman has managed to secretly eat a 12 inch Parma ham pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Room service, <laughs> the presidential suite, darling. <laughs> and to be fair, you know, you didn't mumble your words. Do you no. chew or just swallow? Oh, I don't chew it, mate. I haven't got you know, so many hours in the day, haven't I? Yeah, there is. Yeah. But anyway, I hope you enjoyed it. Please contact us, send questions through to us. You can go on Twitter at Flats and Shanks. You can go on our website, which is flatsandshanks.com, or just email us contact at flatsandshanks.com. Ta da! Bye bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.